when you die without an estate plan, your estate is considered to be intestate. That's I-N-T-E-S-T-A-T-E, intestate, which means that the state, and I realize this is a lot of state words, estate, intestate, and the state. And so, for example, the state of New Jersey is what I mean. The state of Pennsylvania, the state of California would decide based on a statute that they have in their state, who gets your assets? And this isn't to get political or anything, but I don't think any of us think that a one-size-fits-all statute knows what we want. And spoiler alert, most of the time it doesn't. Welcome to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast, where building a thriving real estate investing business has less to do with subway tile and shiplap and everything to do with whether you've laid a solid foundation to support the life of your dreams. I'm your real estate lawyer turned legal educator host, Bonnie Galam. In my years building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio, the most important lesson I've learned is that being a successful real estate investor isn't about secret strategies or ninja tactics. It's about doing the basic stuff right and staying laser focused. If you're an ambitious real estate investor or one in the making who's looking to build a real estate portfolio that's secure, streamlined, and creates a life you love, you're in the right place. Each week here on the show, you'll get clear, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you build your real estate business and some tough love along the way to make sure you're not building a house of cards. Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome to this week's second episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am going to try to shake things up for a few weeks with a mix of guest podcasts in the beginning of the week and then wrapping it up with one of those personal Bonnie rants, uh, solo episodes. And so this is one of those solo episodes that hopefully you guys have come to enjoy over the past year or so. Uh, this episode I'm particularly excited for because it's one of those things that real estate investors get really cocky about, but very rarely ever address it properly. And real estate investors, think, you know, I'm in this business, I'm building a portfolio, ergo, automatically I'm creating generational wealth. And that really could not be further from the truth. And I'm hoping that through today's episode, um, I can explain to you why. Uh, Of course, I've got some horror stories to share with you guys. It wouldn't be a Bonnie solo episode if if I didn't have some behind the scenes stories to share with you guys. And, um, The bottom line is I don't want you to mistake increasing your net worth with creating your generational wealth. They're two very different things. And just because the assets are there doesn't really mean that the transfer will happen. And that's the whole thing of generational wealth. It goes from one generation to another. And that may, you know, be from you to your children, or it may be from you to another family member or a friend. The point is that the wealth continues beyond your lifetime and also really beyond your involvement in in the company and your portfolio as well. And so, as you may suspect, there is an unsexy legal solution to this, which is called estate planning. And estate planning, you you may have heard of, uh, and you may think of like your grandparents or people who are much older, because those are the people who I think are more imminently thinking about dying. But us lawyers, we we like to think about all contingencies all the time. And so no matter you know what stage of life you're in, this, this conversation is for you. This is not just for you know the the older, more experienced investors out there who may feel, you know, life's clock ticking. 
No offense to our, our elderly people, uh, but the reality is, is that all of us are going to die one day. And so all of this pertains to all of us. And so estate planning is essentially an asset protection tool that should be used and taken advantage of by every single adult in this country over the age of 18. But it's extraordinarily important for us real estate investors for the reasons that I'm going to dive into a little bit more today. And that's estate planning is really the process of making decisions about who will receive your assets after your death and how. And additionally, it's going to kind of cover and a comprehensive estate plan really will memorialize your decisions about who's going to step into your shoes and manage your financial affairs, make important healthcare decisions on your behalf in the event that you become incapacitated and can't do so yourself. And I mean, if the last year has taught us anything is that we don't really know when that's going to happen. I mean, incapacity could be something like a, a planned surgery even, or it could be an unexpected illness or, you know, the worst case scenario and an unexpected death. Uh, but the reality is, and as morbid as it may be, is that there is no such thing as totally unexpected death. It, and for better or for worse, it's coming for all of us. And so I wanted to share a few stories with you guys about a few different scenarios uh, that I've seen both personally and in my practice. And the first one is actually a personal story that I wanted to share with you guys, and it's about my own grandparents. My grandparents are the OG real estate investors in my family, and that'll probably be a story for another episode. Maybe I'll share a little bit more about my background more personally and my family's background in real estate investing. But the reality is, is that real estate investing, stopped, it stopped with my grandparents uh, because they sold their rental properties before they passed away. And so my grandparents had two duplexes and they were located over an hour away from where they ultimately retired to. And as they aged, they frankly just didn't want the hassle of being a landlord anymore. And, you know, I don't blame them. I'm probably not going to want to be as involved or hands-on in my portfolio when I'm in my, you know, 70s or 80s, God willing, than, than I am now. And the, the problem was is that they didn't really have a succession strategy. There was no one in the family lined up who wanted these properties. I, you know, unfortunately was in like high school at the time when this happened. And I remember the conversations happening that, you know, they were deciding to sell this property uh, and ultimately both of their their properties because they, they just didn't need it anymore. The properties were paid off. They'd rather have the cash in their retirement and no one wanted them. And the easy answer was that in both of their properties, they had very long-term tenants and one of the tenants wanted to buy them out. It was a very comfortable and easy solution. Um, they didn't have to, you know, put the properties on the market. But the, the sad thing was, is now there's four units out there that could have been passed down that are out there appreciating and making money for someone else. And uh, the reality is, is that inheriting real estate isn't the same as inheriting other kinds of wealth. It's, it's much more like inheriting a business. And that goes back to my underlying, uh, theme that you'll you'll hear throughout the podcast. And if you haven't gone back and listened to episode one, I highly recommend you do that, where I really dive deep into this distinction between being an investor and being an entrepreneur. But the reality is, is that they were running a business and no one wanted to take it over. And so you have to create a plan for that transfer beyond just that legal estate plan as well. My grandparents had, you know, a will and, you know, 
even trusts for the kids because we were all little at the time. And so we wouldn't have been able to legally inherit any sort of money. But it, it's a lot different for someone to, you know, inherit, you know, a bank account or a life insurance policy when it's just cash than it is for them to inherit real estate. Inheriting real estate, you know, it comes with tenants. It comes with leases. It comes with property management. It comes with extra taxes and bookkeeping and just a lot of extra things that people don't always see as a blessing. I mean, if they did, then everyone would be out there doing this. And we all know that there's the naysayers out there that when we say, you know, we're real estate investing, they, they, they can think of everything that can go wrong in the book. But we know that it's a very calculated risk that more often than not gives you more reward than it does risk. Now, you might be thinking to yourself a few things because one, I, I know I am. And that is that one, the, the people who I'd want to take over my portfolio or either a born or be very small people like they are in my case. And so my kids are three and one right now. They ain't going to be a landlord for a very long time. And so when I think about the fact that, yeah, I want to create this generational wealth for my kids, but no, if I was to drop dead tomorrow, would it be appropriate for them to take it over? No, it wouldn't, and nor would it be legal. So you have to think about, you know, trustees who would manage the portfolio until they reached a certain age that you think it would be appropriate. But you also want to think, you know, do, do we want to have this be a trustee who has investor experience and that may cost money? Or you may have to pay for property management when you've always self-managed your properties because otherwise a trustee can run the portfolio to the ground as well. And so you need not just someone who, you know, loves your children. And sometimes it requires, you know, multiple trustees uh, to handle different facets of the children's uh, inheritance, but for them to make sure that the the portfolio stays intact for the long term for them to reach that age of majority and be able to take over the properties themselves if they so wish and, or you know continue on with a property manager but really have access to those funds and assets as you would like and then and there's even more advanced trust strategies that can use to you know make sure that even your children when they reach an age of majority don't have the access to sell the properties that you know you can leave it in trust for even future generations who are not yet born the um, the second thing you might also be thinking about, even if you do or don't have adult children or someone else in mind who you would like the portfolio to go to, is that you're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I touched on this earlier, but um, the reality is, is we don't know. And estate planning is one of those things that is generally uh, not very expensive for the extreme um, cost savings that you get in the event that you do pass away or become incapacitated because it's, you know, I'd say anywhere between like 1500 to three to $5,000, depending on, you know, what state you're in trust strategies you might use. Um, and upwards, if, you know, if you're talking about extremely high net worth, uh, over, I'd say $13 million where you're facing, uh, state tax consequences, then, then you may be looking at various expensive estate planning, but also, the ROI on that is much better because you're also taking into consideration tax savings as well. Um, but the long and short of it is that for a few thousand dollars, you can save the headache of 
thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of having to go through either the probate system or people fight over the assets in court or people fight over who controls the money for your kids. I mean, this isn't stuff that just happens with celebrities. It's stuff that happens to everyday people. And it's things that can very easily happen for real estate investors because the reality is, is that you have a lot more assets and probably a lot more wealth than the average American does. You know that. Um, it's very different to inherit a $20,000 life insurance policy or the leftovers of mom and dad's retirement account versus what the uh, revenue and income potential can be from rental properties over the course of a lifetime. And so that leads me to a second story, which is about a real estate investor who passed away and only had the um, the properties in his estate. There wasn't a lot of cash. The, the cash was you know, very quickly kind of being spent on long-term care and on uh, just lifestyle expenses, travel, a number of things. And so the, the money was very quickly coming in and going out, but the estate had probably about $2 million worth of real estate that was to be transferred. The problem was, was that all of that money was kind of, even the rental income that was coming in after the death was held in the business. And so it wasn't automatically going to the people who inherited those businesses in the LLC, in, in the will. And so the will, you know, had a bunch of family members and the family members were all to take over different holding LLCs that each had different properties in them. Problem was is that these beneficiaries, the people who inherited the property, needed to pay the transfer tax on the value of this, these properties in order to inherit them. And they didn't have the cash to do so because we're talking again about across the board about $2 million worth of buildings. And that was tens of thousands of dollars in taxes. And the frustration was as well, there's tens of thousands of dollars worth of cash in the in the LLCs, but that also couldn't be accessed until the rest of the estate was settled. And so it was kind of a catch-22. And the problem was, was that there was a plan in place, but it wasn't a thoughtful plan. Uh, the this particular person had an estate plan that was, you know, poorly drafted from one of those, you know, jack of all trades lawyers. And you know who I'm talking about. These guys are the ones who are often the cheapest because they will literally take anything that walks in the door, whether or not they're really qualified to take it or not. And so that's just a caution, especially in the legal space. Um, but I think you probably realize that across the board that, you know, the cheapest option usually isn't your best option. Um, and, you know, the of the thing is, is that this investor really thought they were doing the right thing and that they were, you know, leaving a blessing, but all the considerations really weren't put in place and things like life insurance and alternative funding could have been a way to provide for uh, that transfer tax to be covered by the estate and allow these people to inherit the properties without selling them to pay for the taxes. It, it was really a shame of a situation. Um, but a, another compounding factor was that for this particular estate, no one was a real estate investor. I mean, even if they got this property, these were people that were not involved in the business. They didn't know a thing about real estate investing, about being a landlord. And they they heard that they were inheriting real estate and thought that that meant 
millions because the, the properties were worth millions, but they they didn't really see the value in several thousand dollars a month. And um, they were enticed by the value of the equity in the properties uh, because we all know it, there's money out there. If you wanted to find money to, you know, say 50, 60, $70,000 to pay off taxes to inherit, um, you know, 500, 600, 700, $800,000 worth of buildings. We all know that math and we would do it and we would go find the money, but they didn't have that mindset. And so the, the properties ultimately got sold and they all got, you know, a fraction, uh, probably, you know, two or three years worth of income off the properties because some of them had mortgages. And so it wasn't the full value of the property. And so it, it was a shame because that stymied and it, it kind of stopped that exponential growth. Well, maybe not exponential, but the continued growth. And maybe it is exponential over, you know, multiple lifetimes where, you know, these properties were held for decades by the person who passed away. And then they could be held by decades by these new family members and then so on and so forth if they were kept through the family. Uh, but unfortunately that didn't happen in this situation. And so what that leaves me to the third scenario, and which is what happens if you just don't have this stuff in place? If if you don't um, have an estate plan, what happens if you know you were just to drop dead tomorrow without ever making an estate plan? And I do, yeah, I know that's a bit morbid to think about, but just work with me for a second because there's there's an important legal point to be made here, and that's when you die without an estate plan, your estate is considered to be intestate. That's I N T E S T A T E intestate, which means means that the state, and I realize this is a lot of state words, estate, intestate, and the state. And so, for example, the state of New Jersey is what I mean. The state of Pennsylvania, the state of California would decide based on a statute that they have in their state, who gets your assets. And this isn't to get political or anything, but I don't think any of us think that a one-size-fits-all statute knows what we want. And spoiler alert, most of the time it doesn't. It really takes into consideration the standard um, nuclear family situation, which may be the case in some families, but it also may not be tax beneficial uh, for a number of reasons that you should, you know, really speak with a local estate planning attorney to to discuss. But is testacy often can leave spouses left out of an LLC that you created with a friend, and then that friend maybe inherits the the properties through your operating agreement or lack thereof. And so you you've got the issue that your spouse is being left out uh, due to investments you've made with other people. And that may or may not be the decision you wanted to make. And those are also important decisions to have as you're creating LLCs or partnerships or JV agreements with other people is, you know, what happens if one of us is to die? It's not only, you know, what happens when the property is sold or what happens if one of us wants to get bought out? It's like, what happens if one of us dies or gets really sick and, you know, can't make decisions for months and months? What does that mean for the company? Um, intestacy may also leave your assets under court supervision until your kids reach an age of majority. And that is A, super duper expensive, and B, probably not the greatest situation for most landlords. You don't really want to be asking a judge for permission for you to make, you know, decisions about your portfolio. Um, and oftentimes it, it can lead to the liquidation of the estate as well. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that uh, intestacy often uh, may either leave out stepchildren 
and give them nothing or put them on the same identical footing as your biological children. And either situation may honor your wishes depending on your unique family situation. But the the reality is, is that the intestacy laws are just kind of one size fits all. They don't really care what your relationship is with your stepchildren, whether it's good or bad or whatnot. Uh, the law is what the law is, and judges are not really granted any discretion to deviate from that in the event that you haven't left some sort of directions through a will or a trust as to what's to happen with your property. Uh, additionally, um, and as I mentioned earlier, the intestacy situation is just, it's one size fits all. And it doesn't take into consideration really anything about you, your family, your business strategies, or the uniqueness of your assets. They will treat everything one and the same as they do for any other person who passes away without a will. And that often does cause, you know, litigation and great expense as well. And so the reality is, is that acquiring assets is really only half the battle to create generational wealth through real estate investing. And you have to have the right legal documents in place to facilitate the transfer. But really more than that, there needs to be a plan and a strategy around those documents to ensure that the portfolio is maintained in the long run. Uh, failing to do this is really one of those mistakes that real estate investors make. And it, it it's costly. And a lot of times it just completely washes away everything that they built, which is incredibly frustrating, um, not only from, you know, the investor standpoint, but also from, you know, my standpoint as a, a lawyer, because it's so entirely preventable. And one of those things that can be strategized and evolved over time, the, the estate plan that you make today does not need to be the identical estate plan that you have in place in five years or 10 years or 30 years. It should be evolving as your life and family evolves, as your assets evolves, as your wealth evolves, because you want it to be as appropriate, as fitting as possible when, you know, that unfortunate day does arise. And uh, failing to do this is, is one of the, the mistakes that I mentioned in my free guide called uh, the five common mistakes legal mis five common legal mistakes real estate investors make. And you can access that guide at bonniegallum.com slash five mistakes. That's the number five and the word mistakes. Or I'll also drop it in the show notes of this episode at bonniegallum.com slash 14. Uh, ultimately, I really just can't stress enough about how important it is to get your estate plan in place, no matter if you've got one property or no properties or 100 properties. But as you grow and accumulate assets, the risk of having no plan or a poorly done plan is increased and the, the cost of failing to do so also increases. The next week, stay tuned. I've got a really awesome interview with my friend, Shiloh Griffith. She's an interior designer with really awesome uh, new build and historic preservation experience. She works a lot with developers and real estate investors on some of the trickier properties, but also properties where you just straight up need a plan like you would in new builds uh, situations. And so stay tuned for that episode. And until then, I'll see you over on Instagram at Bonnie Gallum ESQ or over in the Good Bones Facebook group. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. If you want to continue the conversation, jump on over to the free Good Bones Real Estate Investing Facebook group. That's it for this episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'll see you here next week, same time, same place. Until then, go out and build the real estate empire of your dreams.
Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.